Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. There, in fact, there's always a cost to a lack of trust. So, so um, in, in a, in a, without the research, you can think of a lock, right? If I don't trust you, I put a lock on something. The only reason I put a lock on it is because I don't trust you. If I had trust, I wouldn't put a lock on it. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Song, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I have David Horsager with me today, who is talking about trust, which is really great. Um, we all trust narcissists, right? No, um, yeah. Uh, which is exactly why I wanted to have him on. I got to be on his podcast a few months ago. Really, really interesting guy. Um, and his books are absolutely everywhere. And we're going to be talking about his pillars of trust, his eight pillars of trust. He's got some incredible books. He is the best-selling author of The Trust Edge, the inventor of enterprise Enterprise Trust Index. He's one of the nation's foremost trust studies. Oh, oh, sorry, the director of one of the nation's foremost trust studies, the Trust Outlook. His work has been featured in the most prominent publications, such as Forbes, Huffington Post, Wall Street Journal. He has advised leaders and delivered presentations on six continents, uh, and his audience audiences have been, oh, you know, little known organizations such as FedEx, Toyota, New York Yankees, and the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, And welcome, David. I cannot wait to dive into this subject with you. What a treat. Thank you, Rebecca. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, being here with me. And um, so let's dive in. You've got a brand new book called Trusted Leader, Eight Pillars That Drive Results. And I want to talk about that. And you also have this other book, The Trust Edge, which is what we're also going to be talking about today. How did you even get into this topic? You know, back when I was looking, this is over, you know, two decades ago when you know, a lot of people in business and leadership are talking a lot about trust today with and without research. But back then, very little uh, on the topic. And I'm looking at organizations, I'm just like, oh, that doesn't seem like a leadership issue. The, tr- the reason they're not following a leader is trust. That doesn't seem like a sales issue. The reason they're not buying is trust. That, that doesn't seem like a marketing issue. No one's buying into the message because they don't trust it. And, and I started to think, oh, it's intuitive at first. And then that led to my grad work. That became kind of monumental to people much more famous than me at the time. And I um, and then we used it in companies. And the first company, it drove attrition down by two to $4 million in, in, in nine months. And then the next, a big Fortune 50 company would try this and use the, use the 
the eight pillar framework and it, they said they gained 11% market share. And then we had attrition drive. We had all these things. Somebody tripled sales and we started seeing it work. And then I, I saw how it changed me in my own life and my own leadership and my own, uh, just me as a husband, dad and everything else. So um, I'm passionate about it. I, but that, the journey over a couple decades now, we put out the biggest study on trust and leadership every year, at least out of North America. And I'm just, I'm fueled by it because I see change every day with it. And I do believe, I believe a lack of trust is the biggest cost of companies. It's the biggest cost the narcissists you deal with, you know, but it's the biggest, a lack of trust in the bottom line is the biggest cost in, you know, everything of value is built on trust from the greatest relationships to the greatest um, financial institutions or anything else. And trust, I believe today without, um, you know, without ego or work of the research that trust is always the leading indicator. I and mean, we, we use this with corruption issues in East Africa. And like you said, pro sports teams and businesses, it's always the leading. People look for leading versus lagging indicators. It's not a leadership issue. It's a trust issue, not a sales issue. In the classroom where our kids are taught, it's not a learning issue. The only way to increase learning in a classroom is increased trust in the teacher, the content, or the psychological safety or trust of the room. Big diversity issues today. There's the biggest Harvard study shows diversity on its own pits people against each other. Unless you increase trust, then you get the benefits of, of diversity inclusion. Innovation, the only way to get more innovation is increase trust in the team, then they'll share ideas. So anyway, uh, that led to the passion. Then, of course, that big, what we'll talk about later, and that is, well, then how do you build it? Is it just integrity or character? Is there more? There's more. Yeah. I mean, it really, as you said, I mean, I, and I like the fact that you said it has made you a better husband, a better father, you know, because it really comes down to a relationship issue. I mean, of course, you talk about this as a, as a leader and you've, you've talked about this with organizations, but it really comes down to relationships. I mean, Always. it really comes down to people. Trust is relationships and healthy ones, right? So yeah. trust... Great relationships are built on trust. It's it's all trust. Absolutely. I mean, I and, trust and by the way, you know, to get to that and some of the work you've done is like you look at where the type of relationship that has a lack of trust. There's always a cost. But so there in fact there's always a cost to a lack of trust. So so um in in a in a without the research, you can think of a lock, right? If I don't trust you, I put a lock on something. The only reason I put a lock on it is because I don't trust you. If I had trust, I wouldn't put a lock on it. So then what's the cost of that lack of trust? Well, I got to buy the lock. That's money. But the biggest cost is time. Now, every time I go through the gate or go, to, I got to open the lock and do that. Or even in simple terms, you can think of text a friend you trust. How long does that take? Boop, it's done. Now, Try to text someone you don't trust. How long does that take? Oh, how am I going to take this? How am I going to take, oh, I got to redo that. I don't know. I got I I to have my attorney look at it, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so the cost is huge where there's a lack of trust. Right. I mean, I always say, for example, um, you know, back when I was practicing law and I, I, as a divorce attorney, I used to say there was a, the three A's were the three deadly sins of marriage, which were abuse, addiction, and adultery. And I used to say the reason why was because it attacked the integrity of the foundation of the relationship, which of course was the trust factor. I mean, it all comes back to trust. And abuse, so adultery, I, and what was the other one? Abuse, addiction, and adultery. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, I, I it, but it, of course, really, it all comes down to trust. Absolutely. Um, and so, you've got these eight C's, um, and um, I, I just kind of want to go through them, which are, um, well, 
let me, um, should I go, should I name them all? And then we'll go through each one or should I just go? I think give a quick little, um, I, I mean, or I can whip through them really quickly. And okay, why don't you whip through life them? Life to them. Okay, so, so just so you know, so the second question led to, you know, was, well, how do you build trust then? Is it just this or that? You know, because um, it was more complex than we thought, you know, trust. So these Cs are representative of research funnels. And I believe you can solve every organizational and leadership issue against these eight. And I'll, I'll go through them quickly. I, and, and I just want to clarify when you say organizational it's also relationship. I mean, every leadership, every relationship issue, it always comes down to one of these. And I'll, I'll, after this, I might show how quickly it's not the issue. People think, as an example, they, they'll say, we have a communication issue. You never have a communication issue at the core. And I'll share what I mean in three minutes. But first, let me share the eight Cs. So how do you solve for, uh, how do you build trust? Well, these eight. Number one, clarity. We trust the clear and we mistrust or distrust the ambiguous or the overly complex. If you, where I was a professor, you know, we like to over professor, we gotta be complex, we gotta look smart. Whenever you over complexify, you lose clarity, which loses trust. Number two, we trust those that show compassion. We, we if, you, if, if, I, if someone doesn't have a care beyond themselves, even if it's not for me, care for a mission or somebody, it's hard for me to follow them or be accountable to them. Number three, we trust character. High, it's actually a mix of a type of moral character, not getting into what faith anybody should be. I'm just saying a type of moral character and a mix with integrity. But integrity on its own, I mean, people have argued with me that Hitler had more integrity than Churchill. And in a way, he was, if, if integrity is only same in thoughts, words, and actions, then he was more the same. Never had, you know, he's, every day was the same for him. It was, he got up at a certain time, went to bed at a certain Churchill's carousing all over, but he had a certain moral character at one of the darkest hours of the 20th century to lead part of the world toward freedom. So, um, character. Number four is competency. You might say, well, character's everything, isn't it? Well, it's important, but I might trust Rebecca because of her character to take my kids to the ball game and, and, and something like that. But that doesn't mean I will trust Rebecca to give me a root canal because of competency, right? You've got to be competent. The next one is um, in the area you want to be trusted. The next one is commitment. We trust those that stay committed in the face of adversity. Um, you think of anybody in history, your mom or dad or first grade teacher, or Mandela, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Jesus, or Joan of Arc, and they were trusted, many of them, because they were committed to something beyond themselves. The next pillar is Connection, the ability to connect and collaborate. If I go into a company, each of these pillars has counterforces. If I go into a relationship, anything, if people are, are really fearful, unwilling to share, unwilling to, they're siloed in an organization or in individuals, if they're unwilling to share um, in certain ways, then we know we have a connection uh, pillar problem. Next pillar is contribution. Really, the word that came out of this funnel was results. So contributing results. You've got to contribute results in the area I want to trust. If, if you, you could have compassion character, but you don't contribute the results that I expect or ask for, I'm not going to trust you. Uh, and finally, consistency. Sameness is trusted. Consistency. Whatever you do, for good or bad, is, is trusted. If you're late all the time, I will, in fact, trust you to be late. You know, the only yeah. way to build a reputation is consistency. The only way to build a brand is consistency. So that's the eight. And I can go into them deeply. I could give, we give takeaways under them, but I'll just for context, say a couple of things. And what I mean without ego about how you solve, once you have these eight, put them on a napkin or a piece of paper, print something off our website and just have them by your, by your computer. We think about that relationship with that person, whether it's your 17 year old daughter or your, um, 
boss or your spouse, partner, or friend, if you can think, what's the issue? It's one of these. It's not, uh, as an example, I said it before, it's a communication issue. It never is. Communication is happening all the time. Clarity, clear communication is trusted. Unclear communication isn't. Compassionate is trusted. Hateful communication isn't. You know, consistent is, inconsistent isn't. High character is, low character isn't. So when we go against these eight, we actually solve the real issue of the problem. And, uh, you know, that's a brief overview of the eight. Ah, okay. So what, how about you do this for us? Um, maybe you give us like a great example of, um, a, a problem that you solved. Um, I, I, I don't know if, uh, you know, maybe I'm putting you on the spot here. Oh, there's um, lots of, okay. okay. I mean, I could phew, I jump, jump anywhere on this, but but as and, an, as, and, you know, if you can think yeah. of one maybe where like a really toxic personality was involved. That, okay, that was well, I'll give you something quick uh, and then I, I would just keep thinking here because there's so many, so many situations. I mean, toxicity, as you know, is, is everywhere. Let me say to that toxic person, first of all. Well, how about if I give you one? Okay, but before I give you, I'll give you how to rebuild trust. Okay. okay. Well, you give me your, you go ahead, you lead it. Okay, so I have a client, I mean, this was, you know, somebody I was coaching um, a while back now, um, but um, the, um, the, the client that I was coaching had left her position at like a Fortune 20 company, I'll say, as a CFO. And she, she left to join a company that was actually a smaller company in Asia, but it, it was owned by a, 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 a very wealthy family in Asia. But the plan was that she was going to become a CEO of one of these companies uh, in Asia. And she gets there and, 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 and the contract even says that she's going to be a CEO of this other company. She gets there and they say, well, you're going to start off as um, president of this division. You're going to be here. It's not going to happen right away. She's working underneath, you know, the son of this family. The guy's a narcissist. He is acting like she's very demanding. Um, and basically, she ends up um, getting fired from this position ultimately. But what before she ends up getting fired, she's ending up consulting with me saying, how can I get my position that I left my CFO position for? Um, and, you know... Now I don't trust this organization. Um, they're they're treating me as if I'm this demanding, crazy person, um, and um, and I don't even trust this whole organization now because uh, of what's happening here. And um, and he's saying it's a communication issue. He's saying she's crazy. She's saying it's not a communication issue. This is what the contract said. You guys promised me that. All right, go. Well, first of all, as you know, it's very difficult to change people, especially narcissists. So there's a couple things we would do just in any case of coaching up or, you know, where we would start with this. Number one, if, if someone has a 
chance of change, as you, I mean, let's go back to the basics of motivation, right? We're either, we're either motivated towards something or away from it, right? And motivation away is way stronger than toward. So, I mean, I might, oh, I get paid a little more for this. I might get there. I get a tack under my bum. I'm going to move now, right? So I have to show that person. One thing I would do is show the pain they're creating for themselves. So it's, it, so if I have a chance, by the way, this isn't going to probably solve it. You've got too strong of a case here, but it, the, the chance for that person changing is saying to this narcissist, hey, I don't know if you know this, but when you do that, it hurts you because people don't trust you, because your influence goes down, because of whatever, right? So the, the only ch- the, that's the chance that that person. Now, I fear from experience, as you do, we, we have seen change. I've seen trust rebuilt. I've seen people change. But it doesn't sound like that's going to happen very quickly with this person. But let's, if that's my only chance with that person, probably, okay, is I have to show the pain they're creating in a way that would motivate them, okay? So second thing then, I would say to... Who was the person that made the promise? Was it this narcissist or was it above this narcissist? Because, you know, I sit on the board of a university. I sit, and one of the biggest problems is, of course, you have a, a boards is you have a CEO here and they only give their view to the, to the, um, to the board. So everybody misses what's really happening down here. So somehow that, so people would say, well, that's wrong to go around. Somehow this, these people need to know around whether it's a president, a leader or a narcissist or whatever. So I would actually, after I've gone to that person and showed the negative, they're not changing. And I was promised something big. I moved my family. I'm, I'm supposed to get this job. I would go, I would jump above them and make the case above them and feel fair about it, that it's not wrong. Um, and, but I would try to go to that person that made the promise and has the power. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zone. How do you rebuild trust? Once you've lost trust, how do you rebuild it? Many people think it's the apology, and that's absolutely not true. When it comes to the safety of a child in a divorce case involving alcohol abuse, there is no compromise. Take back power, strength, and truth from the narcissist in your life with documented proof of sobriety. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking when a child's safety is at risk. Soberlink's real-time alerts make it easy to negotiate with any party Judges can rest assured that the child is safe. Attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Negotiate Your Best Life podcast. Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging, like a narcissist or other high-conflict personality, and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free Win My Negotiation Cheat Sheet at www.winmynegotiation.com. Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. I think about the, I look back on it myself, and it really feels like a case of, I started overcoming adversity before I knew there was adversity that I was overcoming. 
And now we return to today's show. Now, in that case, you might also lose. They're a family member. They're a they're the nephew. They're whatever it is, right? Um, so, unfortunately, at some point, this is a lose lose for her. And you're gonna. These are the. I mean, in quick order, these are the two things I'm gonna try. And then I'm, um, I am going to jump here to another tip for anybody, and that is um, how do you rebuild trust? Once you've lost trust, how do you rebuild it? Many people think it's the apology, and that's absolutely not true. You never rebuild trust on an apology. Um, I remember I had a CEO from the Netherlands. It doesn't mean you shouldn't apologize for doing wrong. We've all made mistakes. I have. We all have. But you don't rebuild trust at that point. You, uh, a CEO from the Netherlands came to America, and we got to know each other a little bit. And I said, what's the first thing you notice in America? He'd been here a few weeks. He said, you want to know the truth, David? I said, yeah. He said, America, you got a bunch of lying apologizers. I said, what do you mean? I said, he said, I got this team over here, and this guy comes in. They come in every day. I'm sorry I'm late. No, you're not. You're late every day. So we don't, we don't rebuild trust on the I'm sorry. We only rebuild trust by making and keeping a new commitment. Mm-hmm. And in your space, or in the old sp- divorce space, um, by the doing, the showing, you have to show it. And by yeah. the way, it is fair to show more if you've breached trust. Let's take the adulterer in your case. It might be like, um, not in your, but in your past work, <laughs> you know. Um, so they might you because of the breach you've made, you are going to have to show more accountability longer term, more publicly. Right? So there's more we could say about that. That's the quick thoughts. No, no, I, I think that makes perfect sense. But, you know, I mean, the, the actual show me because the lip service doesn't do anything. Like, Nothing. actually show me. Have to. Yeah. It has to be backed by something new behavior. Right, right, right. I mean, and and besides, like, body language is like so much more of what communicates. To a person anyway. I think your words is actually only 7% of your communication, right? I think body language is like 55% of your communication. Yeah. Um, and if you take in actions with that, like real actions, you've just, that's your chance at 90, you know? Right, right, right. So if trust is broken, how, what would be the first thing that you would tell somebody to start rebuilding trust? Well, I would first, yeah, exactly. So there's a 10-step process. That, in fact, in the, in the in trust edge, there's like a 15-step process. But whether you're a company or an individual, it comes down to that one thing. You have to make and keep a new commitment. That doesn't mean I wouldn't start with an apology because an apology can open the door of communication. If it, it, can, it can help people see that you, you do feel bad and that kind of thing. But the, after that genuine apology, the next step is making a new commitment that you can act on quickly and showing it. So um, you don't do everything. But if you look at how BP rebuilt trust after their big oil spill, they were really a case study in rebuilding trust. Many thought they never could and would just vanish from the world. And they, you know, before the regulators came in, they gave, they put up 80 or 100 million right away. And they said, no, we did this wrong. It's our bad. We're going to give this to the coastline and all this. And everybody's upset. And, and But then they made an apology and they moved on it without regulation. And it was a kind of a miracle story in a space that people kind of don't like. I mean, big oil and this kind of thing already, you know. And yet to, to, to see them 
genuinely apologize in every major paper over and over and over, totally take responsibility, and then um, and then make and keep new commitments all the time that they actually acted on. That was the only chance they had, and they actually, you know, with at least a pretty big set of constituents, they did it. Well, I mean, that's an interesting point. And because one of the things that I talk about with narcissists is that they they project and deflect all the time with their behavior. And I think that they think that by projecting and deflecting that somehow they think they're getting away with it, that no one's going to notice that they engaged in this behavior, that they are get that no, you know, that somehow they're, they're holding themselves away from it somehow. One of the uh, fastest ways to lose trust is blame someone else, even if it's not your fault. Right. And whereas they don't realize that if they just said, yeah, I did it. And I, I, I own that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of late to the party with watching Scandal. Um, but my husband and I are just like binge watching Scandal right now. This, um, you know, show with uh, Kerry Washington and, and Tony Goldwyn. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But, um, but so Tony Goldwyn plays the president and, um, he, you know, at one point he engages in this extramarital affair and he goes on national television. He says, I did it. It was my fault. I, I had a, a lapse in judgment. And, you know, and he sit, he looks right into national um, television camera and he's, and he's I, 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 I uh, shamed myself. I shamed my wife. It was terrible for my family. And the way he says it, it was, it's like, how can you not like forgive this guy, right? The way it, and 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 it you it does start to rebuild trust the way he says it, um, and and that's one of the things that the narcissist just doesn't realize. By the way, like that they if they actually owned it like that, it would actually be so much better for them. Absolutely, undeniably, own it. Yeah, own so, it and make them move on. Move on it. So, what would be the next step after that? Well, on rebuilding this, this, you know, we have this process, but it's a, it's a, it is um, it it's determined by different things. But basically, the simple process is I'm going to own it publicly. In other words, apologize and own it in in um, in in saying it. But then I'm going to make a commitment and ones that I can keep, like not overblown anything. I'm going to make and keep commitments. And then I'm going to, the next step is I'm going to publicly, if I really want to rebuild trust, I'm going to overdo accountability. So, you know, I'm going to overshow it. I'm going to really be clear. I'm really, you know, it's like um, someone that's still kind of hiding things or you can't look at my phone or check my messages. You can't, I, that's not going to do it. You breached you just gave up anonymity by breaching. If you want to rebuild it, it's it's an overblown and overshare of accountability. And those that are willing to humble themselves like that, that's, that's a real sign of humility. It, doing that, those three things for a length of time actually generally does start to rebuild it. Now, in organizations and other things, we have other steps where you actually have to let, might have to let people go. You could also even have to rebrand, right? But those three steps of, of really apologizing and owning publicly, of making and keeping a new commitment, and then more along the way, and, um, and, and over um, showing accountability, 
those will get you a long ways to rebuilding trust. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, narcissists won't do any one of those three. No, no, of course. And then consistently doing it, right? Going back to your number eight. Consistency is, you know, that's the pill. It's what, you know, why we... Consistency, by the way, we call it the queen or king of the pillars because... Any one of those others, if you don't do them consistently, they're really not strong pillars. If I, if I only, you know, have character when people are watching, that's not really character. If I if I only show compassion with people that look like me, that's not really compassion. Consistency wins. It's the reason people don't even like McDonald's, but they trust McDonald's because they've had the same burger on six continents, right? It's it's sameness is trusted for you know, it's the way to build a reputation or a brand, but um, you have to do it over and over and over. And the more you do it, by the way, you can be given the benefit of the doubt. If you see, look at what happened at uh, to Southwest Airlines. They were, you know, they were like top airline for 35 years in a row. They have this ma- 2007, this major accidental breach. And if if that would have happened to any other airline, they would have been flayed by the press. But they apologized quickly. It turned out it wasn't a big, you know. B- Fault, like they, 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 they were doing the right protocols, and then they moved, they, they changed things, they apologized, made new commitments, and they made extra safety measures in place and all this stuff, and they went right back to number one the next year. Because, and the only reason is because of their consistency ahead of that is why they were given the benefit of the doubt for that, that one lapse. Yeah. So you have a new book out, Trusted Leader. You said it's in airports now, Eight Pillars That Drive Results. Tell us about that. Eight, you know, Trusted Leader, Randy, it's in bookstores and airport bookstores now. Just just came out really exciting. Um, lot, just very uh, high critical acclaim, which is kind of fun from the really uh, uh, critical reviewers. It's, it's, it's an easier, quick, quick read. Uh, as people know, Trust Edge, it's, you know, also easy and quick, but it's, but it's, it's you know, 300 some pages. There's, you know, a lot of actionable tools and workbook pieces to that. This one, uh, the first half is a, is a parable that really wakes people up to not just the impact of trust, uh, but shows that trust is really the root issue. When people can see that it's the root issue and the leading indicator of any relational issue, they they can actually solve it. It also kind of shows how people sometimes think, I've either got trust or I don't. No, that's not true. You can build it every day. So it kind of shifts thinking about trust. You know, people have misnomers about trust, don't they? They like it's more complex than we think because they say, "Oh, trust, that's transparency. Just be transparent." Well, that can be true and many people need to be more transparent as we just talked about, but some of your Kids are so transparent on social media, I don't trust them for a second because <laughs> confidentiality is also trusted. So yeah. we have to take a bigger look at this most important word so that that, that happens. And then the, um, the, the last half are actionable takeaways for individuals and leaders of things they could do tomorrow morning to build the eight pillars of trust. And so they're new ones we've learned even since the trust edge. And uh, the way I lost 52 pounds in five months is oh in there God. as an idea. The, oh my God, the, that's amazing. The way that people triple sales in 90 days using our stuff, it's in there. So some of these quick little frameworks or takeaways are in there. The spa method of, of creating an appreciative uh, home or work environment, that you know, some of those things, uh, that, that's what's We're in cool. trusted leader. Love that. Okay. I will definitely um, make sure there's a link to that, uh, to both of your books um, in the show notes. And you have a really super cool summit coming up. Tell us about that. You know, it's 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 really great. You can sign up, trustedleadersummit.com. I mean, we have 
you know, we give the framework of how to build trust in relationships as leaders and organizations. We have everything. We've got this time, um, you know, great speakers, the, the top futurist in the world on how are we going to trust in the future with blockchain and all these kind of things, but also trust across generations. How do you build it? Um, uh, the whether it's in sales or relationships um, or leadership. Uh, we've got deans of universities we work with coming as attendees, CEOs, CHROs, and individuals coming. Even as participants, I mean, the, the, the Senate Majority Leader of the Republic of Kenya is coming and has oh, been yes. through my work before. Um, so um, really, it's, it's just, we, it's right at the um, beautiful hotel at the Mall of America. So you can fly right into MSP and you're right there and uh, we make it fun. And, and great, and, and that's coming up. So November, super cool. Definitely go check it out. Grab copies of his books. We'll make sure all links to all this stuff is um, in the show notes. And uh, where can they find out more about you? Follow you, all that good stuff as well. The easy platform to go anywhere would be trustedge.com. Trust e d g e dot com. Trustedge.com. Not you know, or some people say trusted G E, but it's it's trustedge.com uh, and you can find all the follows as far as social media or YouTube or um, or all the things we offer out of the institute. All right, cool. Go check him out, David Horsegar. Um, grab his books. Go um, check out all his links uh, there. And thank you so much, David. This is really cool stuff. Thanks, Love Rebecca. It. All right, thank you. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Check back next Monday for more inspirational pearls of wisdom. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd love if you would give it a five-star rating and tell me what you liked in a review on iTunes. Also, be sure to grab your winning negotiation cheat sheet at winmynegotiation.com. And remember, today is a perfect day to start negotiating your best life. Thank you.